0: MUS 143 is a podcast dedicated to music lovers where we're going to review albums we believe are great and hopefully you'll think they're great as well we created this podcast to be able to express our love for the music the artists and the producers who put their heart and soul into making these great recordings we're going to talk about production lyrics and other fun facts related to the albums we want to build a community of people like us who truly love and appreciate music, where we can bond and have dialogue about the greatest songs ever made. And together, we can all make time for our love of music. alright you All right, y'all, we back. MUS 143 podcast. It's Mr. Pone speaking. And JG, what's going on? Oh, man, ain't nothing. You know, um, we got a, a very, very, very special album to, that we're going to be doing today. We're going to be doing the album that sold more records than any other album in the history of music, better known as Michael Jackson's Thriller, right? Yes, sir. And, you know, before we get into any of that, you know, I always want to thank the people that listen to the show and support the show. We always want to thank y'all, um, you know, just for listening and, and for all the, You know, the comments that y'all send us and all that, we definitely, you know, really appreciate that. And as I always say, if you're digging the show, let a friend or relative know, you know, we want to keep growing the show and making it as big as possible. And if any people out there that listen to this show frequently, if they are in contact with any artists um, that have these great catalogs of style of music that we cover, if they, you know, you know someone you know let us know we would love to you know start doing some interviews on some of this great music that we cover so that would be appreciated as well but um you know back to this thriller thing you know so i saw you know last year it was the 40th anniversary of thriller and um about a month ago i saw that they were going to be doing a documentary on thriller and i was like man that would be really cool to you know, do an episode and have our own commentary and dialogue before I see their documentary, right? right because right. there's like a million stories that you can talk about with Thriller. You know, it's like you can talk about Thriller for weeks upon weeks. Everybody's got different stories. Everybody's, you know, it was the biggest right. album ever, right? So I wanted to, you know, cover some of the things and the experiences that I have with the album, that you had with the album. And, um, you know, eventually I checked that documentary out you know and see what their perspective is so the thing about thriller right is michael surpassed music genres racial lines language countries he just conquered the world with this album right mm-hmm. thriller is so big that you know anybody that worked on this album became a legend right so yeah. if you was on the janitorial staff at the studio <laughs> you automatically a legend real talk right because think about it imagine if you met somebody and they was like, yeah, you know I was uh, cleaning the bathroom the day they cut Billy Jean, right? Yeah. That's now crazy. you know you're going to sit there and listen to that guy's story. The I whole would. story. He <laughs> was like, yeah, nah, I was cleaning the toilet. Next thing I know is I hear, do, bop, boom, pop. So I stop, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're going to be like, oh, snap, for real? Like, you're going to be locked into this yeah, dude's story. That's funny. Because it's like, yo, this <laughs> dude is like, yo, I met this dude at my job. Janitor boy, he, was, he used to work at the studio, Westlake. In California. He was doing the toilets when they did Billy Jean. Like, <laughs> you yo, here to the you. vents, right? You know what I mean. So that's how big this album is. You know what I mean. You know there would never be anything like this to ever happen again, right? Thriller had seven top ten hits. I don't even know how many albums Thriller actually sold. Nobody really knows, for real. But I know when I was a kid, I remember hearing that Thriller sold a hundred million albums, and for the longest, that's what I thought, right? Mm -hmm. Now I'm hearing that Thriller possibly sold 70 million albums worldwide. I'm like, who knows, right? But everybody just knows that it's the number one selling album in the history of music, right? And at one point, the album was selling a million records a week. That's just unheard of. Like It's just ridiculous to be selling one million albums a week. We're never going to see that again, especially in the age that we are now with streaming and how music has been, like, severely devalued. You're just never going to see anything like that again. But one of the things that Quincy Jones said was, when it was on vinyl, people was wearing their copies out, and they had to buy three and four copies. So that allowed the sales to keep, you know, rising up as well. And, you know, one thing that we do know is this album generated billions with a B of dollars. Right. Billions of dollars. I had. I heard that Michael had a royalty rate of two dollars per album at that time, which was an incredible rate to to have negotiated. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's. Crazy. And I remember hearing, and I don't know if this is, you know, this is something I remember from a long time ago. I remember when Eminem got signed to Dre. I think he was getting like a dollar, and that was like a big deal. Like, like, yo, this dude is getting a dollar per record because you you know the music business, mm-hmm. they don't really give you nothing per record. You yeah. might get like. 29 cents a record, you know what I mean. So, yeah. for Michael to be getting two dollars a record and, and has then touring sold, and then touring, yeah, too. All yeah, that he was, too.
1: Yeah, he was eating, so
0: yeah. And you know, the head of CBS Records said Michael could read the contracts as good as the lawyers could, so Man. he was definitely sharp when it came to his business, right? Now, I say this right now, you can imagine how much money Mike had just based off of the album sales, right? You take 50 million. Records times two, you got a hundred million dollars. You could just do that math quick, right? Right. But imagine how much money the record company made if they sold seventy million, like they're saying. Yeah. That money is one album. You talking about one album? Yeah, it financed a whole bunch of other albums for that label. Crazy. Finance yachts, boats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then you some. know bungalows, yeah. kookaroos, all that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like all kind of stuff for people. You know they had to make a ton a ton of money off of this and you know this album came out in 1982, right? So you got to remember back then, you know, racism in the business was still in full effect, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they wouldn't put him on the cover of Rolling Stone for a long time. And that's why that that scene in Beverly Hills Cop is so funny when he's like Hi. I'm nervous some people, huh? <laughs> May I
2: help you? Yes, yeah, so you have a reservation for an Axel Foley? Well, let's
3: see. I'm sorry, I don't see anything
2: out of that name. Uh, check, Rolling Stone Magazine's Axel Foley. That's what it is. <laughs> okay.
3: No, no Rolling Stone, no Axel Foley. I'm sorry,
2: sir. Oh, that's all right. You guys probably just made some kind of mistake with reservations. Why don't you just give me another room now, go up and go to sleep? I'm sorry, sir, but there are no rooms available. Don't you think I realize what's going on here, miss? Who do you think I am, huh? Don't you think I know that if I was some hot shot from out of town that pulled inside here and you guys made a reservation mistake, I'd be the first one to get a room and I'd be upstairs relaxing right now. But I'm not some hot shot from out of town. I'm a small reporter from Rolling Stone magazine that's in town to do an exclusive interview with Michael Jackson that's gonna be picked up by every major magazine in the country. I was gonna call the article, Michael Jackson is sitting on top of the world, but now I think I might as well just call it, Michael Jackson can sit on top of the world just as long as he doesn't sit in the Beverly Palm Hotel because there's no niggers allowed in there.
3: Excuse me, sir it seems that we do have a a last minute cancellation uh there is a room available it's a suite but uh, i'll only charge you the single room rate
2: thank you i'm sorry i got upset it's probably from jet lag or something i'm very tired
3: i understand what's the rate anyway uh that'll be 235 dollars a night sir
0: (laughs) it's like it's like that's where that was from because for a long time rolling stone would not put him on the cover right you know what i mean And that was just, the business was, it was just a lot of racism going on. You know what I'm saying? And Mike said, someday those magazines are going to be begging me for an interview. He said, maybe I'll give them one and maybe I won't. And he wasn't lying. You know what I'm saying? Another thing, they wouldn't play his videos on MTV, right? Hmm? MTV, they actually told him that they wouldn't play his videos. And MTV was trying to stand on this, you know, whole, we're, we're a rock station type of thing. We only play rock music, right? Yeah. So, you know, they wouldn't play Billie Jean when they first did that video. They, I remember when Rick James came, I was super freak. They refused to play that, right? So supposedly what happened is the head of CBS had to threaten to pull all of their artists from the station oh, to get them shit. to play the videos. Now, you got to remember MTV was a new network at that time. So they couldn't afford to have a major right. record company like CBS pull all their acts off the station. That would have right. really, really hurt them. You know, and Michael knew that having his videos played would be a great exposure for him. Mm-hmm. You know, so the videos were eventually played and that helped that album and that station take off like that, a rock. I believe that too, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, they wanted everything from Michael after that, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So...
0: Another thing is, you know, Prince benefited from this as well because, you know, Prince was on the bubble around that time with the 1999 album, and then, you know, in 84 when Purple Rain hit, it was on, but by that time, Michael had already right. kicked that door open with the all the, the Beaded, the Billie Jean, you know what I'm saying? So look, yeah. it was, yeah, it was wide open for Prince to do his thing, you know, around that time, you know? So before this album, right, so Michael's coming off of Off the Wall, which was his previous solo album. And it's coming off the Triumph album that he did with the Jacksons. And just on to note of that Triumph album, right? One of my favorite songs on that album was a song that he did He did lead on called Time Waits for No One. Do you remember that one?
1: No, I think we was talking about this, um, this record. I felt like we had a conversation about this before. Man,
0: that Time Waits for No One. It's such a beautiful song. I'm going to play it, Right but just the way that he sings it and when you listen to the lyrics it's really a powerful song you know what I mean off that Jackson's album so that's just one I wanted to put out there that if, if people ain't up on get on that time waits for no one because that's a great song great performance by him my dark- But Michael, he wasn't happy about Off The Wall not being nominated for Grammy for the album of the year, right? And the winner that year was Billy Joel for 52nd Street, which was a really, really good album. Yeah, it was. I really like most of the cuts on 52nd Street. But what I'm about to say may be controversial to some, but 52nd Street was not better than Off The Wall. But it it was a really, really good album. Right. Wasn't better than Off The Wall. I think Off The Wall... Wasn't appreciated the way that it should have been at the time because of Michael being in the Jacksons and, you know, I just don't think he got the respect that he should have for the music. Mm -hmm. And that's why when he came back with Thriller, they had to they had to give him respect because he had sold all them albums by that point. You know what I mean? But off the wall is really a masterpiece from top to bottom, and a
1: lot of people debate too. Like you know, well, what album? Do What's we better, love? Off yeah. the wall or yeah. Thriller? And
0: we're gonna have a. This is another. We're gonna we're gonna have a conversation about people talking about how Thriller is this pop album, and Off the Wall is more R and B, which I totally disagree with. No, and disagree I'll break that. that I'll break that down later. But yeah, you know, people do have that conversation because that's how good Off the Wall was. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, Thriller was the album that Michael was going to show everybody what time it was. like, oh, y'all gonna front on me and when I when I put my joint out, okay. Let me show y'all when I come out with this next one, we're gonna see. You know what I mean? So let's I'm gonna talk about the the whole Quincy Jones and Michael Michael Jackson relationship. And no, you know what's funny? You know what uh Quincy's nickname for Mike was?
1: Yeah, Smelly. I remember hearing well, about Smelly. that. Smelly, yo,
0: yeah, yo. Like you'll see clips of them in the studio. He'd be like, All right, Smelly, we're gonna do another take. <laughs> Quincy said he called him that because Michael wouldn't curse and anytime like something was hard he'd be like ooh that's smelly you know what <laughs> I mean so that's why he calls them, that's why he calls him smelly like yeah. oh man but um, so Quincy and Michael they first worked together on The Wiz, right the movie mm-hmm. You can't win. and michael really enjoyed working with quincy right so when michael was ready to work on his next album he asked quincy you know could he recommend somebody to work with him and produce it so quincy said why don't you let me do it right so you know mike was like hype about that like great, but epic at the time, they didn't want to use Quincy Jones as the producer. They felt like he was too jazzy. So, Michael really had to fight for Quincy. And even Joe Jackson, you know, he was still managing Mike at that time, told Quincy, you can't make him any bigger than he already is. Wow. You know? Yeah, so... Put his foot in his mouth there. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, along with Quincy came Rod Temperton, who we That's talked the about in previous man. episodes, incredible songwriter and also Bruce Swedeen, right? Also these are the legend. guys. Yes, these are the guys that came along with Quincy. And it must be stated how important Bruce Swedeen was to this album. So for people that don't know, Bruce Swedeen was the recording and mixing engineer for this album. And a lot of people don't even realize why they love this album so much. Not just because the music is incredible, mm-hmm but because it sounds out of this world like it sounds so amazing that it's it's really addicting to your brain sonics yeah yeah it's it's really addicting and I don't think people pick up on that part you know mm. what I mean and um even though what Bruce was doing was technically very scientific he said if he would have reduced what he was doing to a science it wouldn't have been the same he said he always kept it all about the music right Right. And to me, Bruce Sudeen is like the greatest engineer, in my opinion. And you know this because we've had conversations for a long, long time about when I really first like started discovering him and, you know, what he did in his recording process. He used to use this thing, like in the credits, it was like uh, recorded and mixed by Bruce Sudeen using the Accusonic recording process, right? Yeah. And I was be like, yo, what is that? Like, it just sounded so amazing, but it was just his style. Of recording, you know? Yeah. So they intentionally wanted Thriller to sound better than everything else, right? Like, that was that was the, the goal from the very beginning. And, you know, to talk about Bruce and Quincy's relationship, you know, they go all the way back to the 50s working on records together. So they go way, way back, right? So now we're going to get back to Rod Temperton, right? So the first song that Rod came in with was... So, Michael said Rod really made him step his game up and they created like a friendly competition on who could come up with the best songs, right? And like I said before, Michael wasn't happy with the results off the wall, you know, as far as just getting the respect that he should have got, the album sales, everything, right? So, he wanted to come up with an album that was so good that every song when it was a hit. So... From what I was told, people weren't buying music all that much before Thriller like they did after Thriller. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people benefited from Thriller being so successful because the music industry was really in like a slump, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, where people weren't really interested in buying music. Because you got to remember, you're coming off a of disco in the late 70s and you know now you're in the 80s. It was like, I guess, a transition period, you know, for music, right? Yeah. yeah. and. Quincy came in the studio the first day. This is Bruce says this. He came in the studio the first day that they were starting to create the album. And he was like, hey, you know, this is an album that's going to save the music business. Right. Like that's how important it is. So everybody came in with their A game. Everybody knew, okay, I got to bring it because, you know, Quincy's the coach. He's setting it up, Mm -hmm. you know, a certain kind of way. Right. And uh, Quincy said, Bruce, him. Michael and Rod would stay up for five days straight, right? And I remember hearing this years ago, and I think I told you about this, how they would be carrying second engineers and musicians out because they couldn't hang with, the, with the A-team. You know, Michael and all of them, that was the A-team, and it was like, yo, these, dude, these dudes up for five days straight, bruh. Yeah, that's crazy. Man, crazy. But do- you talk about work ethic? I mean... But you got to love it. You got to love it. You really got to gotta love it. Yeah. yeah. And and I don't know if that is there anymore in, in music. I don't know if people are that hungry. Even if they're hungry, I don't think anybody's that hungry anymore.
1: You got to understand, Music. Mike was still successful, but he just right. didn't get the, 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 the credit that he deserved. So right. it's like for him to go... And wanna be like, yo, we're gonna, we're gonna change the whole way that we look at albums sonically and all that stuff. Like this, that was that was unprecedented.
0: He didn't even right. have to do that. He
1: could have just just came out with another album. You know what I mean? Right. And just, you know, and it, it would have sold, but right. they wanted more.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, Rod, he actually came up with the title Thriller because Rod, uh, he actually wrote the song off the wall, and then they wound up using that as the album title. And Quincy said, Hey you know, see if you can come up with a title for this album. And, you know, Thriller was originally a song called Starlight, but we'll talk about that later. Mm -hmm. Um, But so that's where Thriller came from. The title came from the song that Rod Temperton wrote, right? So one of the things that Quincy said, he was like, yo, if Thriller would have sold 6 million albums, it would have been considered a success at that time because the music business was just not in a good place. So that was like the goal. We need to sell 6 million albums, right? So um the album was completed in eight weeks. You know, they grinded, grinded to get that album done. You know what I'm saying? That's not um, a lot
1: of time. Yo, two not months? a lot of time
0: to to do the album that they actually did. No, not at all. You know, you're talking about hundreds of mixes and yeah, it's crazy. Uh dropping songs off. It's a bunch of stuff that we gotta talk about. But yeah, 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 it was, it was uh, it was crazy what they had to do to get this album done. I'm going to tell you what I think is funny, though, right? So I saw an old Rolling Stone magazine review on Thriller, right? From 1983. Do you know that they gave Thriller four out of five stars? Really? When it was released? And the author of the article had the nerve to say, Thriller may not be Michael Jackson's 1999, but it's a gorgeous, snappy step in the right direction. Like, bruh, you kidding me? Wow. I'm sure that dude is, uh, is, is, is. a <laughs> four out of five star. This is how you could, But I'm going to tell you what's, what's great about this. This gives you a clear uh, representation <laughs> of how they was fronting on Mike. Right, right. You know what I mean? See, you See, so we only know Mike after Thriller. You know, our life, Michael Jackson is the biggest thing ever, right? Right. But, you know, you have the people that really grew up with Mike through the Jackson 5 era through the Jacksons, right? Now he's a solo artist. It's like, yeah, he's got good music, but we ain't really, you know what I'm saying? They really trying to keep him in a certain place and right. not let him be as great as he really is. So I'm like, how you gonna get this album four out of five stars? No way this album is four out of five stars. He was hating. Yeah, straight up. So, you know, they didn't even use that back then, but he was he was cold hating. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, So, um. You know, um, I, another thing I want to talk about with this album, you know, in really, you know, taking the time to really focus in on it is realizing the 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 heights of what Thriller is and also the downfall of it. Right. Because like we know that Michael had a lot of issues, you know, with his childhood and growing up and all that. Right. Like, you know, everybody pretty much knows that. Right. But we don't look at the Like what success did to him You know as an adult Right so So we know that Thriller was like the apex of Michael's career right, right. And he would really spend the rest of his career Trying to surpass that Right and right. you can't surpass Thriller Like that's it's a one, once in A hundred lifetime Thing right you know what I mean mm-hmm. So you know A lot of people that were around him at the time Were saying at first it was all about The music right Right. But then it became about the album sales and the awards, right? And then it just changed forever from that point on, and he became obsessive about the sales. And then he started comparing his sales to whoever was hot at the time, just said, like, Prince and then Madonna, right? Like, they were really on fire in the 80s, right? right. So they were saying, like, he really enjoyed being on top, but he hated it when he wasn't, right. you know? Like, he was super happy on the days where he was climbing, mm-hmm but he hated coming down, you know? And his his success story is really a tragedy with this album because he viewed everything that came after it as a failure. Like, right. everybody around him was super hype, happy when Bad sold more than 20 million albums, right? Michael was disappointed because his goal was to sell 100 million with Bad. He was like, okay, if I sold this much with Thriller, I'm going to sell even more Bad, but it doesn't really happen like that. Thriller is a one, like, everything has to be, like, aligning right at the same time. Yes, yeah, timing. It's the videos. It's, yeah. it's, it's so much new happening with that mm-hmm. album that made it big as it was. Once mm-hmm. that's not new anymore, you're, it's, you're never going to get back to that. You know what I'm saying? So it's really like an addict, you know, chasing a high that they were never going to get again. That's really what Thriller is. and. You know, I feel like a lot of times we don't really look at this album like that. We just look at it from a a success standpoint. Right. But that's what happened, you know. So another great thing about this album is, like I said, the musicians, man, you know, they came and gave it everything they had. You know, all the horn players, the synth players drums the guitars everything is just top-notch on this album right and i like to look at this album like the like the goodfellas right Mm. so the goodfellas are michael quincy rod and bruce those are the goodfellas you know what i'm saying like when you look at the cover of the goodfellas there's four guys on it right so those are the goodfellas of the thriller album and you got you got a bunch of great musicians you got lewis johnson bass player from the brothers johnson Greg Filling Gaines, who we talked about on previous episodes as well, he played all over this album, you know, played on a bunch of Stevie Wonder stuff. This guy is a legend, you know. Um, it just They just had the best of the best producers, songwriters, musicians, engineer. This is top-notch music right here, you know. And what's funny, right, is Beat It, P-Y-T, Human Nature, and Lady in My Life, weren't on the first set of songs for the Thriller album, right? They were actually replacements.
1: That's wild.
0: Yes. Now, one thing I want to know that I don't know, and this is there's some people out here. I was always known as a Michael Jackson fan as a kid, right? But you don't realize that there's like a trillion other Michael Jackson fans in the world, so you feel like you're the biggest Michael Jackson fan, right? Mm -hmm. But then when you get older, you start to realize like, yeah, I'm not as big as these other people. They really you know, go crazy. With, yeah, but,
1: people passing out and yeah, all that other good stuff, you know, yeah.
0: but I want to know what were the other songs that were cut from the thriller album that didn't make it. There's one that I know for sure that was supposed to be on it. We're going to talk about that, but what were the other ones? So, but there, there were four songs that were cut from the first run of the thriller album. You know, after they had it all done, Mikey, Mike, and Quincy didn't feel the album was ready. They weren't happy with it, so they continued on, and eventually they did those four songs that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the songs from the original lineup that was supposed to be on the album is a song that I love. I listen to it all the time. It's a song called Carousel. Have you ever heard that? I think I probably played it for you, but I I think I played it for you before, but you might not know it off the top of your head, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going
0: to play you Carousel, right? Because I want you to just get a vibe of a song that could have made thriller and it's a song that I love. So I'ma play you a little bit of carousel and tell me what you think.
3: Don't you know I lost my heart
0: on the
3: carousel to a
1: That's a, a hit, right? Yeah, Definitely is a hit. I, yeah, I love man. the hook on that.
0: You know, yo, that carousel was the joint, but it didn't make it. Mm. And the record that they used in replacement was Human Nature. Oh, so my God. that was the yeah, that was the record yeah. that they replaced it with. But and like I said, anybody out there that knows what those other songs were that were on that first set of that first lineup of songs, I want to know what those were. So we'll see if somebody can can come up with you know an answer for that one yeah. so um but um i also want to talk about a few other songs that were recorded at that time that didn't make the album that i thought were really good songs uh one is called got the hots love will at the of a,
3: dawn of a brand new just in-
0: who do you Behind the Mask. And another one is The Toy.
3: I am your toy. I am your boy. I am the moonlight. You are the spring. Our lives are secret things. You know I always will love you.
0: So one of the things, you know, like we were talking about earlier, right, is there's the conversation amongst people where people have the the dialogue about which album do you like more, thriller or off the wall, right? Mm-hmm. And before we even get to that, right, you'll have people that I've come across people that are like, yo, thriller's overrated. How? Who the hell and said it, that? I've <laughs> I've heard mad people say that's, that. Like, that's wild. but what it has to do with is just because thriller is popular. Right? right. And some people don't like albums that are popular. And I get that. Right. Because some people want the albums that are like, this is my thing. You know what I mean? This this is a piece of me versus something that's just with everybody. Like you might not even be crazy about music, but you know about Thriller. So I get why they're saying it, but it's not it's not correct at all. Right. And then you have the people that are saying, well, Off the Wall is more of an R&B album and Thriller is more of a pop album. I disagree, and I'm going to break down why, right? Now, mm-hmm. some people may disagree with me, right? It's cool. We could disagree. So, want to be starting something? That's a funky dance record. It's right. not a pop record. Right. Okay? Baby be mine. That's straight R&B. Right. Right? The Girl Is Mine. That's a jazzy R&B record. If you put Al Jarreau on The Girl Is Mine, no one would call that a pop record. That's a fact. The only reason why they call it a pop record is because Paul McCartney's on it. Yep. Right. Thriller. Right. Funky dance record. Right. 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 Think about the sound of the music. I'm going to hold on before
1: before you before before you get off of that. Right. It's funny because if you didn't ever see the video Thriller and you just listen to Thriller, you wouldn't see it the same way. Like you wouldn't listen to it the same way. We're going to talk about all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're
0: 100 percent correct. You know what I mean? 100 percent correct. Yes, that's true. But just based on the music, right. it's not a pop record. Not a pop record, right? <laughs> so, beat it. That's a rock record, right? That's more based in rock music than any other thing on the album. So, I right. I give them that one song, okay? Billie Jean, a funky dance record. It's only considered pop because it became popular. But listen right. to the music itself, right? Right. Human nature. That's an R and B record, right? Pyt, funky dance record. Lady of My Life, R&B record. So how's Thriller a pop album? It's not. (sighs) I don't know, Just because of Beat It. The music is really R&B based more than anything. Right. You know what I'm saying? But you got Beat It on there that kind of makes it, okay, it's like this is a rock song on this R&B album, right? Right, right. But to me, so I, I think people have just gotten used to saying that but not really thinking about what they're saying. And that's why I wanted to break that down. You know, to for people to think about it, like, yeah, you know what, I never really thought about these songs not really being pop songs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, I'm going to tell you what, I, I want to play you the demo for The Girl Is Mine. Man, when I tell you this thing is smooth, oh, Okay. yo, smooth, bro. You got to see how Mike laid the demo there, because you know the demo ain't got Paul McCartney on it. Right, right. So, So, I'm going to play that for you, hold on. <music>
3: Silly dreams It's really just a waste of time Because she's mine The dog girl is
1: yeah that's i you know what's funny Come is I've really liked that version Break it down, bro. I really like that version too I, I i um you know what's funny about i mean, I, f- I feel like we're gonna get into it when we actually go over the songs, mm-hmm. but like just hearing him sing paul McCartney's part is like Yo!
0: I'm t- bruh I said the same thing. Like, I'm like, yo, he could have, he, he probably could have did he, that he, one without Paul.
1: He, he absolutely could have.
0: <laughs> yo, <that's laughs> your, when I heard the demo. I'm like, yo, that's smooth, because right? The, there. Because the
1: vibe of the song is already it's different. There. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, so, yeah. But I'm, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I definitely, I've never heard that demo before. So, yo, to hear he that, did his thing yeah, with he definitely that, did. Bruh, for
0: real. It got a nice little different little sound to it. I'm like, oh, man, mm-hmm. he did his thing with that. But, So before we get into the songs on this great album, right, for which Michael wrote four of the hits on this album, I want to go back to the first song I believe that Michael got writing credit for, which was Blues Away, right? And it's a favorite of mine. And if you remember from the movie, you know, the Jackson movie, how, you know, Joe was talking about Motown didn't let them produce their own songs, and when they go over to CBS, they'd be able to do their own music, right? Because that was a big thing for them. Because they were talented, man. You know, outside of just being great performers, they really had a lot of talent in songwriting and producing. Like, all them Jackson's records, like, the Philly International stuff, they had the Philly International producers. But once they went to, like, the Destiny album and all and Triumph, that was them. You know what I mean? They produced their own stuff. So they were really, really talented. And, um, you know, I wanted to highlight... This song called Blues Away, because it's one of my favorites by the Jacksons. It's a, it's a Michael Solo joint. He wrote the record, and it was on their 1976 LP from the Philly International Days. You know, it's produced by Gamblin' Huff, McFadden and Whitehead, mm-hmm. Dexter Wenzel. You know what I'm saying? It's one of my favorites. So I, I don't remember if you know this one. Do you know Blues Away? Not often. This not is off another one you might have yeah. heard me play, but I'm going to play it for you you know uh and then you let me know what you think this is michael's first writing credit
3: i like to be yours tomorrow i'm giving you some time to no matter what you say, what you say, babe.
0: Tell me that joint ain't bad right yeah that's your that joint is hot 1976 that's crazy first Credited song. That's at least that's what 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 I know. I could be wrong, but I believe that that's Mike's first credited song on an album, and that's a straight hit, right? Yeah. Straight hit. You know, um so yeah, I wanted to play that song for people if they didn't know about it. Check out that Blues Away. If you love Michael Jackson, that's an early when Mike was a youngin. You mm-hmm. know, what I'm saying put that joint together with some of the greatest you know producers from that philly international era so but yeah we're gonna go ahead and get to these songs now man you know what i'm saying and all right y'all we're gonna have to pause the episode right there y'all gonna have to come back and check us out on the second part of this we appreciate y'all for listening and we're gonna see y'all on the next one